Good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition. This is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, where we have the most fun and talk to the coolest people who are doing the best things in the world, as far as I'm concerned. So today is going to be a super fun show where I'm... Sorry, I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do that I didn't do already. Um, where, <laughs> where we are chatting about what I am completely, completely in love with, and that is epigenetics. But when I talk about epigenetics, so often it's regarding um, how we have impact on our future, on our future health, on future generations. When today we're going to talk about how history impacts us today. It's this amazing, super cool conversation um, that's a little bit outside of my world, so I'm super excited about it. It's a lot about stress and trauma and how we deal with life and how we let life deal with us. And so, you know, the goal of this show is really to, to help to help bring goodness, but to help think, help anyone who needs the help to think outside of the box, to to have a an understanding that when things go wrong, um, to maybe think outside of the conventional, um, and to help just to help give guidance. There's so much good and so many things that are unique to help people live this big, huge, amazing life, and not be you know, not be strapped down by our past or by our traumas or by our histories or by our health today and know that we have a, an amazing amount of power, which is super empowering when it comes to creating the life we want to live physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, all of the things that we talk about in this show. So... Today we have Joanna Lynn, who is living in beautiful Mexico, super jealous about that, um, and, and she is going to, to, to really help us dig deep into epigenetics, sorry, I don't have my microphone on me, epigenetics, and how to, uh, how to, essentially how to deal with our history, and when I say history, it is not just yesterday, it's not just with our parents, it's with our great parents, grandparents and great grandparents and those that are beyond our time, like historically. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. It's so good to see you. It's been a little while. It has, Nikki. I'm great to be here with you. Yeah, this is going to be so much fun. But as always, we start the show with gratitude because gratitude can change the world. And I truly believe that. Let me fix my, uh, on my Instagram, you're not on it, and you need to be on it. Okay, there we go. All right, so we always start the show with gratitude because gratitude can change the world. What does that mean? Gratitude is a, it's something that you put out there that, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm not doing well here. All right, there we go. Now we've got it all together. Gracious. Um, it is an energy, it's a love, it's something that you can put out into the world that will impact those around you. And once it impacts those around you, it impacts those around them. And it can be, if we allow it to be, it can be a movement, it can be um, life-changing and life-giving. And so starting your day with gratitude, with prayer, I mean, that's what I try to do every morning. Um, and then before you go to bed, what are you thankful for before you go to bed? There was a, I can't remember who it was, but I was listening to a podcast or something, and, and, and somebody, she said she tries really hard to wake up in the morning and be happy and grateful, but she just finds that she's not. And so whoever the podcast it was said, well, are you going to bed grateful? Because if you're not going to bed grateful, you're going to wake up in the same way you went to bed. I was like, oh, I like that. So... Thinking about that is what I do in my, you know, when I'm in bed, I'm, you know, saying my prayers and I'm thinking about all the things that I'm grateful for. And literally, as soon as I wake up in the morning, my alarm goes off, the gratitude is, is in my head now. And it's really become a habit. It's really beautiful. And I think it's kind of amazing. So, Joanna, what are you grateful for? 
Well, I have to say, I do the similar practice as you. Yeah. It's become kind of routine, and I love it. I really appreciate it. Um, so you had mentioned we moved to Mexico, and when we arrived, we started volunteering at a dog shelter. And oh, so just yeah. Just a couple days ago, we adopted the sweetest, most cuddly, Aww. amazing dog, and so we're so grateful. She's brought already so much joy, and we're going on more walks and getting into nature more often, so it's awesome. Good. What kind of dog? Well, it's a shelter dog, so it's a real mix. She has German Shepherd coloring, and she's pretty small. She's about half the size of a shepherd. Okay. Um, so she's a real sweetie. Uh, I guess she's not close by to bring her in so we can see her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> okay, well, maybe next time we'll, we'll have her on the show with you. <laughs> that's right. There we go. You know, when I first started the show, um, what I did is I had, and this was, you know, pre-COVID, so, you know, there were shelter dogs all over the place, and then, you know, in the middle of COVID, there are no shelter dogs anymore. It's interesting. But um, we would bring in little shelter dogs to, to you know, try to get the word out and, you know, talk about dog health and how important it is, in, you know, when they're feeding and all of these things. I could, it's a whole show in and of itself that I've done mm -hmm. and I probably need to do again. But um, dogs are my heart. Love dogs. They're amazing. So good for you. It's super, super yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, because I would tell everybody else and you, that I, part of my passion and my love is helping people to feed their dogs raw food and know how to feed them good, raw, healthy food instead of kibble, which is super damaging. So if you have questions, if you don't already, happy to, happy to help there. <laughs> Wonderful. I know where to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what am I grateful for? Um, you know, this time of year is one of my favorite times of year, even though I'm a summer girl. I do love Christmas. I love everything that Christmas is about when it comes to, uh, you know, the birth of Christ and and what it means and what it's meant to the world and what it's meant to me. Um, I find that I am very slowly but steadily working on and creating and building my relationship with Christ. And, you know, that's so much of what I have to be grateful for is really being excited about building that relationship where I've always been a believer but not necessarily an active participant you know um, and being and working more and more toward being that active participant and um, and listening and, and 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 trying to pay attention to what it is and where I'm supposed to go, which is also why I believe um, so often, you know, people are coming into my life now that make such a big difference and who have a lot of the same passions as I do. You're one of those people when it comes to, um, you know, epigenetics and the science of it, and then you know how it uh, affects our our life, our health, our fertility, right? And yes. so, uh, you know, we have been working on putting together a little program when it comes to fertility and pregnancy and helping people through that. We, we come at this from similar but different enough angles. And so it's been really fun to collaborate on, on you know, getting something like this out. So hopefully that's coming uh, next year in just a few weeks, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> so anyway, I'm super grateful for that. Grateful uh, for, for just what you bring because it is your perspective on epigenetics and I only I think it was last night I was talking to my husband about it it your perspective is that historical perspective where mine is more of that future perspective and I hadn't really mm -hmm. given it that thought and he was like that's really cool I was like what is really cool because yes you know we talk about how we have impact on seven generations ahead but us today have been impacted by seven generations behind well and said. what does that do? What does that do to us, good, bad, and indifferent? And how does it play out in our world, in our stress, how we deal with people and with family and with children and all of these things? So um, I'm going to start letting you talk because I could just keep talking. Um, but want to dig in a little bit to, you know, all of the who's and the why's, you know, what excites you, what got you here, what in the world got you looking into family history and how it affects people and fertility. So let's talk about that. 
Well, it was one of those things that crossed my path. So I'm going to put it in quotes by accident, you know. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was working with uh, some inherited, or excuse me, some integrative uh, physicians who really were into some intense cases, some patients with some really severe health concerns, uh, some mental health concerns as well. And I just didn't feel like I had the tools I needed. And I came across one of my most influential teachers at the perfect time and started to learn about this, what I felt was a missing piece of family history and how we can weave that into really making the change that people need. And I guess for me, what the wow factor was, I started to look at the people I was supporting beyond just them as the individual, but inside the context of their whole family system. And so I started to look at life now from this more systemic perspective that none of us get to be the way we are by accident. Mm -hmm. And so it just started to make so much sense. And whether I'm supporting someone with a health crisis or, or they're on the edge of divorcing or their child won't speak to them anymore, there is a way to find a resolution by looking at it through this sort of full systems perspective. That's so interesting. Um, remind me, because I didn't write it down, because I love the name of your company, and I'm, I feel so silly. It, it's the, what is it? Oh, it's the Family Imprint Institute. Family Imprint Institute. I just love that so much. So Thank you. what is it, how, so do, let's do this first. For those who maybe mm -hmm. are joining the show for the first time and don't understand what epigenetics is, let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah, and so if we pretended we were all computers for a moment, it's like we're, no, we're not born with a clean hard drive. We share an operating system with our parents, with our grandparents, and so we know through science we can go two generations back and we can find almost the, the trace or the connection. So let's say if, gosh, grandpa was a prisoner of war or grandma lived through poverty, we're going to have more of a... I guess hypervigilance towards anxiety, towards feeling like I'm never going to have enough. And so I think a lot of people come into this work thinking, I've always had problems with money, or this is just the way my relationships go, you know, I always kind of lose out. Well, this has a history, this has a connection. And my, my approach is all about finding what that is, so that we can kind of detach from that identity. We don't have to keep continuing those same painful patterns. Mm -hmm. I love that. I want to, so I want to give the explanation that I usually give, and mine's more that sort of biochemical explanation, mm -hmm. but it, it's still the same. Um, you know, it's, anyway, so if you look at our genome, we have our genome, and then on top of our genes is our epigenome. And so mm -hmm. those are the variants or the switches that can be turned on and off, which allows for the expression or the non-expression of genes. And so the most amazing thing about epigenetics, when it comes at least to our future, not to our past, right? So that's already imprinted on us, but it's the most impactful. to switch these genes on and off due to lifestyle factors. That's really all it is, um, which is it creates a lot of accountability, but it's the food that we eat, it's what we drink, it's, it's our stress levels, it's how we adapt, it's trauma. Uh, can't always you know, control trauma, totally understandable, but it does play a role in our epigenome or how our genes express. And that can be expression in disease, um, you know. And you know, the, the 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 biggest, probably in the easiest way to, to to look at this is just because you have cardiovascular disease in your family doesn't mean that you necessarily have to have cardiovascular disease because you, I, we have the control over what we put in our bodies, how we allow stress to affect us, whether we do or we don't pray and meditate, which is how we allow stress to affect us. Um, you know, the, the toxins that we put on our skin or in our body, think of the, the things we put in our hair, our makeup, our deodorant, our lotions, and our perfumes. Don't get me started on perfume. Oh, no. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Oh. Um, but it's, it's, it, it is, it's a true 
biochemical uh, reaction in the body, but it seems so, I don't know if, if the term's esoteric, you know, it just kind of seems like, whoa, wow, how does that happen? And how do my great-grandparents have an impact on me today? But, and this is very, I don't have a lot of my own data on this, but like the, um, the, 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 shoot, the, the Jewish people who, 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 who didn't die, but, but experienced, you know, the severe trauma of living through, what is my, where, what? The concentration camps? Yes. There was the, yeah, there was a word I was looking for, and it's just not coming to me. Auschwitz? Holocaust. Holocaust. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Man, you know that happens to me way too often. You work on my brain. Um, but they 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 have tra trapped that trauma gene, yes, right? And it's the, it, I mean that was the first time I heard about any of this. I was like, that's amazing. We have trauma genes that are passed down and affect us today. Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. So the researcher's name is Rachel Yehuda. She's like my okay. superhero. Oh, she's so amazing with what she has brought forward to understand. So she started to study the Holocaust descendant survivors and their children. And this, this understanding of, oh my gosh, the children have the same stress markers on the brain as if they themselves had experienced the Holocaust. And, you know, being stuck and are we dying today or tomorrow or are we ever going to get free? I don't even think most of us can imagine living in that kind of stress and how it completely changes our DNA. Yeah. And so the experiences that our parents and grandparents go through the, the factor that I love that you brought up is the genes that get switched on or off. Mm -hmm. And so what allows that to carry on is actually how we make sense of the trauma or how, let's say, I don't know, we had a very painful divorce and we never really resolved it. Now do we go on in years feeling bitter and angry and not trusting anybody again? Or do we do the work to recognize, you know, what did I bring into that relationship? What was my part? Do we actually heal it? When we do, we're much less likely to pass on the residue of that to our children and grandchildren. And so if we give our parents a break for just a sec, personal growth, you know, Psychology Today wasn't a magazine that was on every, you know, doctor's waiting list uh, or waiting table. It just wasn't accessible. Mm -hmm. And so I think in our generation, we have a lot more, let's sort of say, leftover emotions that haven't been dealt with. And so it's up to us to make that change and so that what we give to our children is much less. So you're saying we have to work hard to to create this big badass life that we want. <laughs> and it can be hard, <laughs> right? Yeah, well yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it has to be hard. Okay. I I think that a lot of this work is soft. A lot of this work is actually stepping towards compassion. Mm -hmm. I actually used to teach a class called The Myth of Forgiveness because it's not about forgiveness. There are things that happen in families that, to be honest with you, Nikki, are unforgivable. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets people stuck around, yeah. if I forgive my mom or my grandma, mm -hmm. that means it's okay, whatever it was that happened. And so I, what I like to talk to with my clients is building compassion and understanding. So if mom was super critical and nothing you could ever do was good enough, what happened to mom that had her be so tight, so abrasive, so intense with you? And so we start to build out that three-generation geneogram to understand how mom was impacted, grandma's influence, what, what happened to grandpa, so that we're really recognizing this is what shaped mom or dad as parents, so that we, the sort of grown adult that wants to do this work, can step out of taking it personal, can step out of repeating it with our own kids. Mm -hmm. So how do, you, how do we do that when you don't have your parents or your mom and your grandmother in the room with you? How do you do that work? Yeah, I really never bring the whole family in. It's always individual. Mm -hmm. Because so much about that relationship and healing it is how we hold the parent inside. It's really not about having the big conversation and putting everything out there. And so a lot of my work is really bridged on how clients describe what's going on. So how they describe their challenges, what they blame their parents for, where they're stuck, where they're unhappy in their marriage. And really our language reveals everything. 
So how my client answers the questions that I ask really leads me to the root cause of what's going on. And so the brilliance of the founder of the work that I do, his name is Bert Hellinger. He was a really world-renowned psychotherapist. He's passed away now, but um, born in Germany and wrote several, several books about how we hold the family inside of us, how it plays out. And so a lot of what he taught was how we have the inner image of that parent. Can we close our eyes? Can we imagine that they're here with us, even if they're no longer living? Can we say what we need to say to get it up and out of our body so that it's not increasing our inflammation, so that it's not the reference point of the stress response we keep going back to, so that we're clearing it, we're resolving it, and we're moving forward from a very fresh place. Have you, um, do you know the book When the Body Says No? Oh, of course, yeah. So I've just started it, and I want to, I want to, I want to talk just real quick about this because I think it is a really great example. I listened to it on the way in, and the, the whole time I'm listening to it, going, I'm going to talk about this on the show um, because <laughs> although it's really hard, what I'm going to talk about and sad and scary, I think it it goes back to the empowerment of understanding that when you understand what you're doing and how you're reacting that you have we have the ability to change the outcomes and so let me so i'm going to talk about you know so i'm probably only a quarter way through the book and so i it, right now we're talking about als and you know mm -hmm. people who have been diagnosed with als and so it fits in here so beautifully because some of the examples that he's giving as he's you know reading the book is um, a woman who who was adopted and is and and so she tried her entire life to want to be a part of her mom's life her adopted mom's life never worked never worked so she always she became the caretaker and so this comes from you know did it come from grandma did it it's obviously some stuff came from mom but she always felt like she needed to be the caretaker and also what was so interesting to me is the 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 over-the-top niceness and it's real nice people are just really really like overly nice and overly giving and overly caring which this it has led them into a a biochemical disease process where the motor neurons are dying and leading on to ALS and so one of the things that they said it, that they are it, it, you know, this is not scientific fact, but you know, when they're looking at people who are coming through their clinic with ALS, they 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 literally will say that person's not nice enough to have ALS. And I thought, wow, that is so interesting. It's not. It, it just is that over the top caregiving sort of attitude that comes from the stress and the trauma of whatever happened in the past that is now leading them to this place. And so. The great thing about what you do and, and, and why we need to get this stuff out in the world and why people need to read when the body says no and why we need to understand, it. I mean, I'm here too. I'm like, what do I need to work on, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. But all, you know, we, if we work on the things today, when we see that we're having blocks or we see that we don't understand things or we see that we're having symptoms, what is the root cause of that? What's it coming from? Is it mental and emotional? Is it stress triggered? And finding somebody like Joanna who has the ability to help you through that so we're not dealing with those crazy, scary conditions that we deal with today, you know, the ALS, the Parkinson's, the cancers, all of these things that so often can be rooted in, yes, toxicity, yes, um, unhealthy food, but also uh, the 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 you know, the trauma, the stress, all of these things that our, our brains are dealing with that affect us biochemically. That's right. You know, I think my biggest takeaway from the Body Says No book is if we aren't able to say no, if we don't have that healthy boundary, our body says no for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll never forget, it was early in my practice, I was working with a woman with really severe fibromyalgia. Like couldn't get up, couldn't move, in so much pain. And she came to my office after seeing every doctor, every, every specialist, you know, every person she could imagine. And so I start every practice or every, every session I mean with the three generation geneogram. And she shared with me, finally, 
Now my husband stops asking me to cater all of his business parties. I just don't have to do that anymore. And I said, oh, notice what you just said. You weren't comfortable saying no. You felt you had to do it. You know, he was the major income earner, so she felt, well, how can I say no? I have to do this part. But she hated every moment of it. It was really depleting for her. So the only way she could, without guilt, say no is if my body doesn't actually let me do it. So let's not let our bodies have to talk for us. Let's let's match how we feel inside, meaning, mm, I don't want to do that, with the ability to express that compassionately. I'm sure her husband, if we could you know, wave the magic wand and go back, he would much prefer to say, honey, let's hire a caterer. I'm so exhausted, I can't pull this off anymore, versus silently suffering, silently doing what's expected of us, and then our body has to carry the weight. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's one of the things that I, I try to get across to, whether it's to you know an audience when I'm speaking or to, to clients, is one of the things that we have sort of lost in our society is the ability to, to listen to our bodies. You know, we take that pain that we're having and we're like, okay, well, I'll take an Advil or, um, you know, whatever stress, you know, I'll take a Xanax. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. that we're in a society where we don't listen to what the body's telling us. And by the time we're actually having symptoms, which pain is a symptom, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, GI dysfunction, cardiovascular disease, these are all symptoms and and or a... A, a, a you know bunch of symptoms altogether creating disease, um, but these are symptoms that we need to s- take a step back and listen to what the body's trying to tell us. Because by that time, the body's like, now I need you. I need you to pay attention, and I need your help. And it's not that I need to have the antidepressant or the statin or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. we need to jump in and start to take control of these things because. You know, this is this is root cause, right? We're getting to the root cause, whether it is the mental and emotional, going to the biochemical, or vice versa, getting to that root cause so we can address it and we can allow the body to repair from the bottom up and then it can do its job. That's right, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. And so, so much of that is that relational piece. Do I dare disappoint this person? Mm-hmm. And I often say to my clients, it's so much better to disappoint that person you love or that dear friend than it is to continue to disappoint yourself. And so how do we start to turn that around where, you know, even if we gave it a a number, like I have $100 of energy to spend in a day, where am I putting that? Mm -hmm. And so many of us go over into that, you know, overdraft because we're just giving and we want to be that nice person and... But, and those are all good things. We don't want to you know, diminish that, but at what cost? Yeah. How much can you handle and mm-hmm. how sustainable is it? Mm-hmm. And so when you're working with your clients, their clients, right? Mm-hmm. Not patients, yeah. clients. Right. Um, what, everybody is obviously very individual, but what are some tools that you use that can be helpful for people? Yeah, it is very individual, so it really depends on what they're coming for. I would say that's kind of what I love most about my practice, that it's a really wide range of why anybody would come in to see me. And so a big part of it is getting, you know, getting into the body. I think so many, so many of us live on what others expect of me, I'm just on repeat, this is just what I need to do, and we actually don't even know what a no feels like in our body, or what that you know situation, yes, I wanna get into that. And so sometimes it's just getting quiet enough to clear away some of the mental chaos and, and the stress to be able to understand how the body is trying to speak to us. You were so right when you mentioned a little while ago, the body starts to talk to us and we essentially just stuff it back down because we take that pill. We're not in communication with the body. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really big part. Um, I think the main part of what I do as a tool is to connect the dots for my clients. That, like just like that case I shared, oh, now finally my husband doesn't ask me to do this. Okay. 
And what do you need to start communicating so that your body doesn't have to take up that job? And so a lot of the times it's what is happening behind the scenes that I haven't considered is actually a really great cost to me. So fun. I love it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do, I'm going to take a real quick break. I think this is a good time to take a break and talk about our sponsor uh, just briefly. Um, Cellcore Biosciences, who is, I just love innovation and, and good innovation that has, um, you know, that is all about health and the body and bringing goodness to the world. Obviously, that's why I do the show is to bring goodness to the world as much as I can or the people who are doing amazing things. Um, and Cellcor is one of those companies because they are innovative, they are unique in the delivery system that allows for the nutrients to get get at or in the cells, at the cellular level, into the mitochondria, and allowing for uh, repair at that level, which very often that doesn't happen. You know, if you have regular supplements, very often they're going through the GI, and you know, so much of it doesn't actually get to where it's supposed to go. Not that they're not great. There are some really great ones. There are some really terrible ones. <laughs> so you've got to be careful with your quality of supplements. But the, d the delivery system of, of their products is unique, and it's amazing, and it works really, really well. It's very potent, um, which is why you can only get it through practitioners. Uh, but you can go and you can find a practitioner on their website. Of course, uh, I use their products on a regular basis. I think that they are fascinating for one just to watch how how well they work and how they can they can really change lives and it's interesting too because they have these you know we ke I keep talking about the biochemistry um, and so a lot of it is about biochemistry but they have this one product in particular that is it's called um, me support so you call it me but it's mental emotional support so it is a very interesting sort of energetic which is weird to say kind of product that has changed lives when it comes to people who are dealing with chronic diseases and there is that something that's missing um, it, you know it can sort of help to flip that switch it's really really interesting stuff um, it's a hard one for me to grasp but I dig it I dig it a lot but I also say that you know when there is that that piece that needs to be addressed you've got to see someone too Right, so we can't just depend on supplements to to help with everything. Uh, you know, it's got to be good food. It's got to be building your team who is there to help you get through the hard stuff, help you get through that disease, help you get through that depression, help you get through that fam you know familial trauma that that so often can can play a role in our lives. So um, look them up. They've got a lot of good science, good data. Uh, I, I, I say science now. And I want to change that because I think there's a lot of really bad science out there that's not science. <laughs> so <laughs> there's just it's really frustrating. Um, and I think I'm going to start instead of just saying science, um, science based. It's really evidence based, um, and and really uh, you know it's about looking at real good clinical results and data that is evidence based and not just somebody saying, well, it's science. It's, yeah. doesn't work that way very often. And anyway. you become overused, right? Oh, it's like the man. natural oils on every label. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it loses its meaning. It does, it does. And I think over the last couple of years it really has, uh, which, mm -hmm. is, which is sad because uh, you and I are very similar and obviously that we are, we love the science. I was reading your bio on your website. It was so fun because it said, um, you'll find me, I don't, I'm paraphrasing, but you'll find me reading a book and it's not some simple, you know, fictional book. It is something about, it's going to be probably about neurotransmitters, and I'm going to eat it all up. And I'm like, I'm the same way. I'm just talking about this last night. It's like, I don't need fiction. I need education. I need to read something that's going to fire my synapses and get me excited and, you know, want to reread it again so I can keep learning it. And so... I love that. Highlighter out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Little ear tags or dog tags or whatever you call them. And and I have one book that I love that is, you know, it's got the little red stickies and it's just red stickies everywhere. Yes. Our bookshelf probably looks similar. Yes. Yes. I know. My husband's like, so why don't you just do audiobooks? Like, because I can't highlight and I can't see and I can't just refer to them and go to them it's so different and he doesn't get it at all 
Yeah. I know it's a problem with paper, but it's just sometimes you just got to have a book. All the time, you just got to have a book. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all learn a little differently. Yeah. Some of us are audio, but I, I, I love to, I'm a, love that old fashioned, oh, yeah. open the book and yes. making notes. And mm-hmm. It's great. So good. So let's see, where do we want to go here? I kind of, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking is. Uh, one of the things that you talked about, and so this kind of brings it down to a little sciencey, a little nitty gritty, but you talked about, and I know we alluded to this, but you didn't use the term, and so I love this, the neuroplasticity of, mm-hmm. of the brain and how we're able to develop that to kind of get past the roadblocks, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. And so do you want to expand on that a little bit? Sure. Uh, If anybody wants to look into it further, it's something called Hebb's Law. So this idea that neurons that fire together, wire together. So what we know through neuroscience, it's almost like we want to celebrate this whole neuroplasticity because it wasn't that long ago the medical community just sort of believed or thought, well, if you've had this, I guess that's the way you are, that's the way you'll always be. It just was kind of a set point. And we're so much more miraculous and resilient than that. And so this whole idea that we can actually practice our way into healing, we're building new neural pathways. So if we give the sports analogy, you'll have all high profile uh, sports players actually visualize in their mind the game or the race or the outcome that they'd like to see. And there's even been studies done by athletes who practice and put in the hours and put in the time compared to those athletes who let's say rested and visualized and they have the same outcome when they get back into the game. And so neurons that fire together, wire together. Can I sit back and imagine that conversation with my mom, even if I've been estranged from her for years, even if she passed away a decade ago? Can I imagine letting love flow? Can I say the things I need to say, or me as the facilitator, say, imagine your mom saying, whatever the healing sentence is, and what happens in your body as you receive it. We are literally changing the way the brain is mapped and how we can then receive life, how we interact in future relationships, how we parent. And so this use of neuroplasticity to begin to shape in in our benefit of our choosing the way we want things to go so that we're not always back to the reference point of pain or the old trauma. Because if we do that, in a way, we recreate more of the same. Mm-hmm. I tease my clients sometimes by saying, we get what we expect, yeah. but only every time. Mm-hmm. So what are we expecting? Mm-hmm. Are we expecting life to go well? Are we expecting our relationships are always going to be this way? Well, we have to take a look at our own thinking and what we're feeding our brain through thoughts. I love this so much because we're in this place where... I'm hoping I can put this together properly. Um, there's a lot of talk about manifesting, and 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 I appreciate that, and I talk about it too a little bit. You know, I it is it's um, it, I think it has the potential of being a little bit of a slippery slope. But what you're doing is you're putting the evidence-based data behind what it means to manifest so right it's the visual it's the visualizing it's the being the co-creator in your future you know i believe that you know god is our creator but we're co-creating we have we have the ability to make decisions we know where we can where we want to go or where we should go and you know that's why you know we have you know, we <laughs> see there's a word i'm looking for and i can't find it again but um, it is it is upon us to make our decisions and to create that future that we want. And if we do sit and we believe that things can't change, won't change, or the negative self-talk, I'm a bad person, I don't deserve, you know, these things, then you are co-creating, but you're co-creating in sort of that negative way that maybe you don't want, as opposed to visualizing where you want to be, what you want, how you want it to be, where you want it to be, what relationships you want to have, and putting it out there and moving toward it because I think that we can co-create and basically do and be and get whatever we want 
you know, as long as it's on the up and up, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's all for the good. Yeah, yeah. But I think what, in the conversation of manifesting and everything you're talking about, the missing link only from my perspective is, so let's say we would want to manifest more money and we're, we're wanting to have, bring in abundance and prosperity. But if we've closed our hearts to our parents, which are really where we get this gift of life, where life, life responds to us differently when we've resolved the stuff with our parents. It's like I can receive life fully when I understand what they could give and maybe what they'll never be able to give. And a lot of the times our inner relationship with money, this idea of enoughness, mm -hmm. comes from the feeling of I got enough from our primary caregivers in the way of love, attunement, attention. And so it often plays out again in our relationship with money. And so we can't just manifest more money mm -hmm. until we've dealt with the sort of the roots and the foundation mm -hmm. of where we all started from. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good, um, and I, I, I appreciate that, because I think that we all have our places that need to be worked on, especially with money. You know, money is such a big one, yeah. It mm -hmm. is. It's got such a charged, you know, mm -hmm. so it's got a lot behind it. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, I think that I want to move into, uh, a little, talk a little bit about the fertility stuff, and how, mm -hmm. how history, one of the things that I found so interesting when, I think it was probably our first conversation, was you had said that a lot of women come to you unable to get pregnant, but there's a fear there that they are going to repeat the same patterns that their mom repeated, which were not good patterns, and so they're not getting pregnant, but it's like I'm, I'm fearful of being a mom in that sense, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you put mm -hmm. it much more eloquently than I just did, but. Oh no, that, that sums it up exactly. And so it's almost acknowledging or recognizing that our subconscious mind is in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. It's really responsible for 95% of our reactions, our, even our thoughts. And so unconsciously, we might be protecting ourselves from becoming a mom because we, when we, think of the, when we think of our own mom, we were thinking of resistance or defense or hurt or all those unresolved emotions. And so this fear, in a way, of becoming like her can actually get in the way of our fertility process. We might be doing all the right things, you know, meditating and eating well and all the steps, but what's not clicking? And so we have to look at that underlying, what does it mean to me in the privacy of my own thoughts to become a mom? I love <laughs> it's like everything you say I'm like I love that I love that I love that <laughs> <laughs> but it's true um, you know we're in a place where fertility rates are through the floor I mean for men yeah. and for women um, and right. why is that there are, there are a lot of reasons for it. it you know a lot of reasons when it comes to the toxicities in our environment and going back to the, you know, the, the chemicals in our food and what we put on our skin and in our hair, you know, all of these are intense endocrine disruptors. If you've heard the term, whether for me or somebody else, xenoestrogens or metalloestrogens, so heavy metals that have the same impact. And so, you know, in, in, in my world looking at this, it's the, uh, you know, we're looking at estrogen receptor sites that are all over the body and xenoestrogen and metalloestrogens, they bind to these estrogen receptor sites really tightly. So there's we, the, 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 our natural estrogen doesn't have the ability to do its job. So you've got all of this estrogen just kind of running around in the body and, uh, and, and you know, this, it, it creates a really dysregulated hormonal situation, right? And so we have you know, women dealing with severe PMS, PMDD. You know, one of the things that before starting this practice that I didn't even know was a thing was monthly women having such severe pain that they are going to the emergency department because they are dealing with such severe pain. This is massive hormonal dysregulation and it's not normal. And for anybody who's out there dealing with and suffering from these crazy symptoms, find some help. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I think you know, my symptoms are, are, are so much less than they used to be. But I think is as I've aged, I've also become more healthy and I've underst I understand my body and, and things like yeah. that. And that's what needs to happen is, again, 
digging for the root cause and, 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 and coming at it, you know, doing all of the things that you possibly can, even, you know, in doing the best you can. Nobody expects perfection, but eating food that's not full of chemicals, preservatives, um, you know, pesticides, herbicides, they're terribly toxic and they're a burden on the body. The other things though that are a burden on the body that can create hormonal dysregulation is gonna be stress and it's gonna be the negative self-talk and it's gonna be the frustration that you may be experiencing over whatever it is. So there's so much involved and finding your team to allow you to, to balance and to understand your body and to get you through those things that maybe you don't realize is what is actually impacting you. How many of us really sit back and think I'm not getting pregnant because of a situation with my mom? <laughs> well, right? exactly. Yeah. So much of even what you've described too, Nikki, is like invisible. It's yeah. what's going on behind the scenes. And so that team to sort of help you identify what's what, it's already such a stressful time. You don't have to suffer needlessly. And I think you and I spoke at another time about on the fertility journey, often so many couples go through a lot of strain, a lot of stress. And so can we widen that landing strip for baby so that things feel welcomed and calm? Can we find out kind of what's underneath the relationship that the fertility stress has kind of pulled things to right to the edge? And so it can be an opportunity to do a lot of the, let's call it prep work, yeah. before becoming a parent, mm -hmm. whether that's through nutrition and getting good solid nutrition for the family, or really strengthening the relationship that the baby's gonna be coming into. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a lot, it can be a lot, so you're gonna want that team to support you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, you know, we talk a lot about women when it comes to pregnancy and having babies and that kind of thing. And so you and I have had this discussion where, um, you know, it's just as important to include the men because they are also very much like half of the process, oh, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm curious, though, if, which I think I know the answer, but we've not talked about it. I'm curious about trauma and the impact on men and sperm count and motility or if there's even data behind trauma and those things mm -hmm. do you know that's a good question so for me i guess i simplify it more around how life force is coming through and so i don't have any data to pull from specifically on that mm -hmm. but this concept around it's another valid question. Am I ready to be a dad? What's going to be expected of me? How might this change my life? And see, these are all subconscious things running in the background. And is that slowing down motility? Is that getting you in the way of, of what's possible here? And so a lot of the times, because you're right, the father is half of the equation, we got, we're going to want to look at his family history the readiness of, of becoming a father, stepping into that role, and the impact on the relationship. These are all key pieces that, that need to be looked at before we jump in. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that I saw on your website, you do work with couples, right? Yeah, I love to work with couples. Yeah. It's um, really this idea that systems marry systems. And so we marry or get into relationship with what's familiar. Not necessarily what's healthy, not even necessarily what we write as a list for our ideal partner. Mm -hmm. And so, so much can be flushed out and understood when we can look at our partner's system. We can understand certain things that frustrate us about them so that we can stop having those circular arguments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to say, more often than not, I certainly invite the whole couple to come, but usually only half the couple might show up. Sometimes only only one side is ready to really dive in and do the work. Mm -hmm. And we can still get a lot accomplished that way. It's quite amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think that it, that happens a lot. And mm -hmm. it, it can be hard. But, you know, I think also sometimes one is motivated and it just takes a little more time and a little more encouragement for them both to be motivated, hopefully. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Because it is a partnership. It's a partnership um, with the marriage, but it's a partnership with... Uh, you know, being ready, and this is where, you know, we both love is the, the getting ready for pregnancy, 
um, which so many people are, you know, once they make the, the, the decision, it's like, okay, we gotta do it, we gotta do it right now. I'm like, no, let's just take a step back and let's make sure the body right. is healthy. And so in, in that, you know, taking the time to create a healthy body, create a healthy mindset, but also making sure that you, you are partnering together and doing this together. You know, when we have talked about, you know, our separate programs and then our, 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 our partnership in an upcoming program, it really is making sure that, yes, we're speaking to women a lot because we know that and we are women. It's just kind of how it goes. But, but the understanding that the men are partners and we want them involved and we need them involved. We all need our partners involved in yeah. these, these big life uh, decisions and goals. And mm -hmm. so you know, none of this is dismissing of any of the men in the relationships. We, we, it's, just, it's just as important to have a healthy body for a man, um, you know, the, you know, getting rid of you know the the xenoestrogens and the metalloestrogens can affect men just as much as it affects women and children. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. And so, eating the good, clean, healthy food, making sure that the body is strong and you're producing enough testosterone. There was somebody who was it? This, this is going to get a little bit political, and I probably shouldn't say it because my intent is not to get political, but what he said was, again paraphrasing, was that testosterone is a poison and should be eliminated. Something like that. Whoa. Yeah. It's some political dude, which is... Oh, I mean, gosh. I, Instead of it being just a biological factor in the body that has mm -hmm. been there since the beginning of time. It's oh, how we were wow. created. But that's what yeah. I find a lot of people want to do is want to take away how we were created, which is really right. sad. And so yeah. men need to be men, <laughs> women need to be women, because we are... That's right. Well, that's why it takes the egg and the sperm yeah. to create right. a baby. And right. Both are equally required, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, that just came to me. I was like, <sighs> people say the dumbest things. <laughs> and I, I've been guilty too. I've said some really dumb things, but... I would never say that we shouldn't have testosterone. Women need testosterone. Men really, yeah. really need testosterone. And these xenoestrogens tend to upset that balance and can decrease testosterone, and um, it can be a big problem. So, um, you know, making sure that the, you know, the, the hormones are in balance. And the same, that you're using healthy deodorants. And any, well, just don't use the antiperspirant. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know you the things we cook in I have um, a client we brought mm -hmm. got back her um, her uh, heavy metal report and she was high in all kinds of stuff it was like aluminum and oh. there's something uh, nickel nickel oh. aluminum and nickel super toxic stuff and we're like where's this coming from is it coming from what she's cooking her food in you know, right. there are there's so many right. things that we want to kind of take sit back and take into consideration that can affect us physically, mentally, emotionally. All of these things can have an impact That's on our right. brain. Um, so well, and doesn't it seed the process for disease later on? Absolutely. We have to sort of what can I prevent mm -hmm. and and what decisions am I making today yep. that supports my aging and my fertility and my all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting that you're saying this. I keep getting kind of off topic a little bit, but it's fun. There's a there's a girl. I'm in this uh, this course, and there's this woman who is. I bet she's 65, but she her specialty is anti aging, and so mm -hmm. her she may be 65, but she said that her age, her her biochemical age, is 34. Wow! I was like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> It's like, I want to do that. I need to know more. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I, just I know, I know. I just saw that this morning. I'm like, okay, when I finish, I'm going to go read more. Anyway, it's amazing what we can do in, in all of the ways to allow the body to work properly, to procreate properly, to create our healthy futures properly, all the, you know, all of the things to create the amazing neuroplasticity that I just think is is super fascinating um, but but so real and we have we're so capable of such amazing things 
Well, and I think we're living in a time where it's also accessible, you know? Yeah. That we've got these different books, these different experts, this research, it's all just sort of coming out. And so we're really living in a time where there's maybe more options than there has ever been before. And yeah. so it's good for your listeners perhaps not to feel overwhelmed, but sure. just to really key into what do you choose, what do you need at your sort of part of your journey, and to know that the options are out there instead yeah. of feeling like, oh, this is my stuck point, this is my diagnosis. And, you know, diagnosis shuts down the inquiry of what could be next, yes. what, what can we look at. Yes. And so let's stay curious and open because we're at a really exciting time. We are, we are. And that goes, that leads me to always ask why. Always ask yeah. why. Never, never be okay with that's just the way that it is because it's not true. Always ask why, dig deeper. Mm -hmm. It's why we do the work that we do is because we want to understand the why behind whether it's a diagnosis or the symptom or whatever might be expressing, which is you know, why we have clients. But, yeah. um, but what you said uh, sort of leads me into talking just a little bit about soulful conception because my, so soulful conception is a preconception uh, planning and care program that we're looking at launching mid-February. Um, it is for men and, or for women and their spouses, their partners. So it is, it is for couples. But my goal with this program um, is just what you said, is to bring in people who are amazing at what they do. You're one of those people. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm excited about it for that reason because I know I have a lot to give and a lot to share and there are some things that I know, but there's a lot that I'm not an expert at. There's a lot that I don't know. There's a lot that, that I, I want to come from the experts to share with the people who are a part of this program. Um, and I want people, it, it's kind of just along the same lines with this show. It's bringing to highlight the amazingness that's out there that we don't always know is out there. That's you know? true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, um, take, keep a lookout for Soulful Conception. And, um, you know, I'm, I, we're starting to push it uh, pretty hard over the next probably week or so. So, if you have questions, always reach out. You can go to the website, tastelifenutrition.com. But before I get into that stuff, I really want people to know where to find you, how to find you, how to reach out if they just have questions or if they want to work with you, and all of the things that you offer. Oh, thanks, Nikki. Mm -hmm. uh, your listeners can visit my website, www.joannalyn.ca. Uh, I'm on Instagram under the Family Imprint Institute. So you can look me up on any of the channels and I'll be under Joanna Lynn or Family Imprint Institute. And a big love for me is education. So I'm often sharing the latest research on epigenetics, some great stuff about neuroscience, and really just giving those options so people still feel that hope and still feel there are options where they might be stuck. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you so much for joining me. This I've been looking forward to this. This is such a it's such a, a fascinating topic, epigenetics. It's yes. just the coolest freaking thing. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me here to talk about it. I love it just as much as you do. It is so interesting. And, you know, I go back to, you know, and I have to say it because I, I feel like some things just need to, are worth being repeated, is how empowering epigenetics is, even if we're just mm -hmm. starting to understand it. But it gives us so much power over ourselves. It's not, like you said, it's not um, due to necessarily family history we can have a history but it's we have so much control over ourselves and what we do to impact our health and our lives and our mind and our brain that it's really beautiful it really is beautiful and it's hard too because I think I said this but it puts a lot of accountability in our hands and not everybody likes that and it can be hard you know there can sometimes yeah. be some work but um, I love what you said about coming at coming at it gently or soft mm -hmm. right um, sometimes yeah. that's that's really what we need to especially when we're dealing with a history of trauma and things like that I think yeah. that that's it's smart so um, I love what you do thank you so much I appreciate it um, and of course like I said you can go to tastelifenutrition.com and you can uh, fill out an assessment on the website that'll come directly to me and I'll 
reach out to you personally and we'll chat a little bit and we'll talk about what your needs are and what you want to see in your life and how I might be able to help. You can also talk about soulful conception if you're looking to get pregnant um, or start your family or grow your family. So excited about that stuff. You can find Taste Life Nutrition um, on all the social media and, and you'll start seeing more and more and more as we just continue to grow and have fun and, and build this show. So the show uh, turns into the Taste Life Nutrition podcast. So you can find us, of course, every week streaming live here at KUHSDenver.com, coolest radio station in the world. Um, but you can also then find us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, and then on Spotify, iTunes, all of the places. So uh, we're always around. You can always find the recordings. You can always share the recordings, which would be awesome too. So. Uh, we are about really being of, of service and bringing goodness and, and giving information and educating and having fun and all of the things that we can do to, to make life good for us and for everybody else out there who we, who we touch and speak to. So that's what I got. Cool. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks, Nikki. All right, everybody. We'll see you all later. Take care. <laughs>